Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, the chaotic Iowa caucuses and Amy Klobuchar, the Polar Plunge raises millions for Special Olympics and a twin spring training preview with Corey Provis. But first, the outcome was expected, but that didn't make the week any less dramatic as the U.S. Senate came to a final vote in the impeachment trial of President Donald Trump. MNN's Bill Werner is here with a recap of the historic events. Scott, the earlier vote against calling witnesses set the stage for this week's final result. I want Hunter Biden. I want Joe Biden. I want, I want the whistleblower. By the way, if we get anybody we want, we'll be here for a very long time. The president's outside legal counsel, Jay Sekulow, warning about Democrats' push to call former National Security Advisor John Bolton as a witness. Minnesota Senator and presidential hopeful Amy Klobuchar responded on CNN. That's called a threat, and that's all that was. Um, we should hear from relevant witnesses. The yeas are 49. The nays are 51. The motion is not agreed to. This is the first time in American history that the Senate has sat in trial and not allowed for witnesses to testify. And so this puts it dramatically out of character um, with anything we've seen in past precedent. Hamlin University analyst David Schultz. Senators gave speeches before the final vote. Minnesota Democrat Tina Smith telling colleagues. When the president has solicited foreign nations to influence our elections and has prevented the American people from hearing a full and fair accounting of that effort, our duty to defend the Constitution requires that we act now. And then a political bombshell. Utah Senator and former Republican presidential candidate Mitt Romney saying on the Senate floor that he would vote guilty. My promise before God to apply impartial justice required that I put my personal feelings and political biases aside. Does anyone seriously believe that I would consent to these consequences other than from an inescapable conviction that my oath before God demanded it of me. Minnesota Senator Smith said Romney's comments brought tears to her eyes. I think we need more ethical leaders like Mitt Romney. Even though he's not in my party, I think we need more ethical leaders like Mitt Romney in Washington. The president's eldest son, Donald Trump Jr., tweeted that Romney is forever bitter, that he will never be president, and, quote, he was too weak to beat the Democrats then, so he's joining them now. Final statements in the trial. Senate Democratic Minority Leader Chuck Schumer warning a foreign government determining the outcome of an American election is the beginning of the end of democracy. For a foreign country to attempt such a thing on its own is contemptible. For an American president to deliberately solicit such a thing, to blackmail a foreign country into helping him win an election is un. But Senate Republican Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said, We will reject this incoherent case that comes nowhere near, nowhere near justifying the first presidential removal in history. Ms. Klobuchar. Ms. Klobuchar, guilty. Ms. Smith. Guilty. Ms. Smith. Guilty. Minnesota's Democratic senators not in the majority when they and all the other Democrats voted to convict the president. The Senate adjudges that the respondent, Donald John Trump, president of the United States, is not guilty as charged in the first article of impeachment. 
Speaker of the House says she refuses to accept this acquittal, whatever that means. Perhaps she will tear up the verdict like she tore up the State of the Union address. House Democrats talked about issuing a subpoena that would presumably compel former National Security Advisor John Bolton to testify, something Minnesota Senator Tina Smith supports. The question is, are we going to read it after we buy a book on Amazon, or are we going to find out about it when he testifies under oath? Carleton College analyst Stephen Shear says it's possible Bolton would try to honor the subpoena, but he says the sticking point. The likelihood that the administration would invoke executive privilege and then that would be resolved in the federal court. There will be a permanent cloud over these proceedings. The president may be acquitted, but without a fair trial, he cannot claim to be exonerated. Senator Smith stating what will certainly be Democrats' drumbeat going into the fall elections. We asked Hamlin University analyst David Schultz, will their allegations of a sham trial sway enough undecided voters to tip the electoral balance away from President Trump in November? Possibly, but it's not clear because we're talking about an incredibly small number of people who haven't already prejudged all of this. Will it be something that they remember come November? It's, it's just not clear right now. It was corrupt. It was dirty cops. Uh, it was leakers and liars. And this should never, ever happen to another president, ever. The only one that voted against was a guy that can't stand the fact that he ran one of the worst campaigns in the history of the presidency. They were going to try and overthrow the government of the United States, a duly elected president. And also this week. No life free! No life! No more missing and murdered and Emotions ran high at the state capitol as the Public Utilities Commission this week gave the go-ahead for Enbridge's Line 3 pipeline upgrade to move forward, approving a revised environmental impact statement, a certificate of need, and a route permit. Commissioner Matt Scherger questions the need for a pipeline upgrade, pointing to the push for more electric vehicles and other green moves. The absence of a clear, transparent, independent forecast of demand for Canadian crude oil and its refined product. Enbridge responded increased use of electric vehicles does not lessen the need for a new pipeline, and PUC Chair Katie Sieben argued the existing line must be replaced. There is a deteriorating, decrepit, old pipe that crosses, as an aside, 20% of the existing Line 3 crosses Leech Lake Reservation. But Winona LaDuke with Honor the Earth warned regulators there, as she put it, creating a civil war in the North. People get their signs shot up. We have drones outside of our windows. I pull up someplace and someone says to me, you have a lot of nerve being here. There have already been many legal moves to try to block Line 3. Opponents are promising even more. Scott. Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, tail-wagging, backyard-hanging, and, of course, companionship. And what breed would you say Satchmo is? I'd have to go with maybe a lavish terrier-hound chihuahua-looking kind of mix. Tremendous dog. Mm, I'd also like to point out Satchmo's coloring, a white, gray, brown, black brindle, simply marvelous. You know, it's such a treat to watch a dog like this. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive. And now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, oh, the happy dance, so common with this group. 
And finally, the loving face lick. It's great how he just gets in there and, well, licks. Fantastic. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Iowa caucuses have come and gone, but not without a confusing and chaotic ending. Tasha Radel was in Iowa this past weekend covering Senator Amy Klobuchar. That's right, Scott. It was a roller coaster of a weekend, to say the least. In Des Moines Saturday night, several hundred people packed into a small gymnasium like sardines. It was so hot you could actually see the walls sweating. But that didn't stop Klobuchar supporters from hanging around. I stand before you today as the granddaughter of an iron ore miner, as a daughter of a teacher and a newspaper man, as the first woman elected to the U.S. Senate from the state of Minnesota, and a candidate for president of the United States. She told the Hawkeye State she can beat Donald Trump. The heart of America is so much bigger than the heart of the guy in the White House. It is so much bigger. It is so much bigger. Empathy. That is something that we don't have in the White House right now. Someone that cares and understands about the lives of everyday Americans. And that is the case that we're going to make. This undecided voter from Iowa had been a registered Republican up until this year, saying he can't stand behind President Trump for four more years. I'm looking for someone that can try to bring the country together and unite. I know several of the campaigns have talked about what happens the day after, well, the inauguration, really. And, I mean, the country's so split, and, and we need to get together somehow. Also campaigning, Senator Amy Klobuchar's daughter, Abigail. She is the person who can lead a ticket to actually not only win, but win big. And we need to do that in order to put in place any of the plans that we want to get done. My mom has a record of getting things done. She is the hardest worker I have ever met. And I think that's important in who we want to be representing us in the White House. A few hours into the caucuses, that's when, well, you know what, hit the fan. A new phone app designed to report results quicker failed, as did the backup phone system. Just a mess. Got ready to turn my stuff into Des Moines. The app didn't work. I never could get the app to work. Everybody complains about the app. And we tried to call it in, and we just couldn't. I guess they were swamped up there. We just couldn't get an answer. This may be the last caucus we see in Iowa. These caucus goers say Amy Klobuchar won big at their precincts. There was 450 people there. It was pretty chaotic and the rules were like a little hard to follow. But Amy Klobuchar came out on top with the most people in the room. It's like, who is this person? Where is she coming from? But like everyone totally identifies with her and feels like she's the one to beat Trump. She doesn't come off as the flashiest, but she's really prepared. Everything she comes to, she really knows, you know, what she's talking about. And those debates, like, you better be prepared because she's prepared and like no one's going to push her around. John Altendorf is from Goodhue, Minnesota, and the co-president of Drake College Republicans in Des Moines. I asked him who he believes will present the biggest challenge to his candidate. If you look at the Minnesota electoral map, she does really well in all counties of Minnesota and counties that Trump did well in. Um, I think when we talk about you know winning back middle America, that Amy Klobuchar can talk to middle America. And that's who I would be most nervous about if I was the Trump campaign. 
Altendorf went on to say being in Iowa has been so amazing over the past few months. Really become the epicenter of American politics um, every four years when the caucuses come around. And no matter which side of the spectrum or where on the spectrum you are, uh, it's a really exciting time to be part of politics because you get to see these candidates up close. You get to have interactions with them that no one else in the country gets to have. On caucus night, Klobuchar was the first of the candidates to come out and thank her supporters. You probably heard we don't know the results, but I did not want to let another minute go by without thanking all of you. We know there's delays, but we know one thing. We are punching above our weight. Hamlin University political analyst David Schultz says the Iowa results are not good news for Klobuchar, who is coming in fifth. She needed to have two things happen coming out of the Iowa caucuses. First, and given how much of an emphasis she put upon it, she needed to come in the top three. Equally as important, she needed to come ahead of Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Schultz says Klobuchar needed to do better than Pete Buttigieg to become the moderate alternative to Joe Biden. She and Buttigieg were running as the moderate rivals or alternatives to Joe Biden. And she really needed to come ahead of Buttigieg um, in order to show that she is the moderate rival. Klobuchar is in New Hampshire this weekend ahead of the first in the nation primary coming up on Tuesday. She says she will continue campaigning hard with this message. If you are sick of choosing between paying for daycare for your kids and long-term care for your parents, I know you and I will fight for you. If you're sick of being torn between filling a refrigerator and filling a prescription, I know you and I will fight for you. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. Every year, thousands of people jump into freezing cold water to support Special Olympics Minnesota. The organizers at Polar Plunge have raised millions to help bring opportunity and inclusion to more than 8,000 Special Olympic athletes across the state. In a moment, you'll hear from Special Olympian Abby Pearson about the plunge and the significance of the Olympic Games. But first up is Michael Shortreed with the Maplewood Police. He's been involved in Polar Plunge events for more than a decade. I've been involved with Polar Plunge for the past 15 years as both a participant and as well as an organizer for many of them um, on a weekly basis throughout the eight-week period of Polar Plunge season. I travel um, to one each weekend so that I can participate by helping them on site, uh, helping the local jurisdictions set up their plunge site, as well as kind of guide them in the process um, just because of being involved with it for so many years, I've had the opportunity to kind of learn the ins and outs on how to do it the best. And Michael, I mean, I assume that everybody out there kind of gets the gist of what the polar plunge is, but if we have folks that are uninitiated, uh, tell me a little bit about what it entails. Yep. Um, I know Abby's going to answer that question uh, as an athlete, but from a law enforcement torch run perspective, the polar plunge is the largest um, fundraising event that is done here uh, in Minnesota for the law enforcement torch run. And it also provides public awareness uh, for Special Olympics throughout the world. I mean, law enforcement torch run is not just here in Minnesota. It is worldwide. 
uh, began many years ago in Wichita, Kansas, and has effectively gone throughout the world where many countries are a part of the law enforcement torch run. With the Polar Plunge itself, it is just a very large fun fundraising event, and with 34 events throughout the state of Minnesota from January through March, um, it becomes very effective as far as getting those funds available for the athletes of Special Olympics Minnesota. And in terms of contributions in the past, I mean, do we have a sense how much money has been raised? Uh, annually, our goal is to raise a minimum of $4 million. Uh, this year. Uh, we're on track to hopefully surpass that, um, but for the last few years, it's been approximately $4 million per year. Up next, Abby Pearson. Abby is a Special Olympics athlete with a diverse resume and a variety of sports interests. Bowling, swimming, track and field, poly hockey, bocce ball, and powerlifting. So you are what we would call a versatile athlete. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of all of those different uh, endeavors that you participate in, is there one that is something that you are the strongest at? At powerlifting. And tell me, what can you lift? Um, for the deadlift, I can lift 140, and we do squats, and we do bench press, too. With regard to the Polar Plunge, Abby, uh, tell me a little bit about why that's so important to you and to the Special Olympics in general here in Minnesota. The Polar Plunge is a big fundraising event for Special Olympics. You get to plunge in the cold water with your team or by yourself, and the money goes back to athletes like me. And as somebody who has seen other folks do this, I haven't uh, partaken myself, but I'm curious, do you have a sense of uh, what it feels like to, to jump into that cold water here in Minnesota? It feels a little cold when you start jumping in, but they have dive teams in the water to help you, and you get to go right into a warming tent when you are done. You're only cold for a little bit. So you, if, if you're to be believed, it's not quite as bad as it looks. No, it is not. And Abby, if you don't mind, I'd just like to ask, how did you come to be involved in the Special Olympics and become an athlete? Um, I love doing sports, and I like being active, too. And tell me, uh, give me some uh, specifics about what we have for Special Olympics coming up here in Minnesota this year. When do they happen, and what do folks need to know? The events started in January and go through March. They are all over the state, and I will be plunging on March 7th in the Eden Prairie with my team. And you can find all the locations on www.plungemn.org. And Abby, if our listeners out there just in general want to find out more about the Special Olympics or how they can contribute and help, uh, where can they go? They can go online to the Polar Plunge website to donate. They can send in a check to donate. They can sign up to plunge or they can donate to me, 
and my team. My team is under Western Wings. All right, perfect. I think I've got what I need, unless there's anything else that you folks can think of that you would like to add. I would like to add that there is no danger. The danger is just having too much fun. And this is my 12th year plunging, and I love it. Thank you to my guests, Special Olympian Abby Pearson and Maplewood Police Officer Michael Short-Reed. Again, for more information, you can visit specialolympicsminnesota.org. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she, she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve. It's now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Twins pitchers and catchers are set to report to spring training this coming week as the defending American League Central Division champions. Minnesota had a busy offseason and will have a partially new roster. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm spoke with the radio voice of the Twins, Corey Provis. The excitement that I that I have around this team, I, I haven't felt, Mike, and I'm entering my ninth year now uh, with the Twins. Uh, th- this is th- this is the most optimistic I've been about a Twins team entering a season uh, since I began in 2012. Uh, just based on what they did last year, who they bring back, who they've added, and I just I'm really excited to see this team compete. I think the offense again is going to be incredible. But uh, at the same time, I think the, the bullpen, which was a big question mark entering 2019, I think surprised people, and a lot of those same key arms are back, and some that they've, some that they've just known from day one, others they brought back in free agency. Huge upgrade defensively, and that if you want to pick apart, you know, the Twins last year, and you can point to the lack of depth in the starting staff, which is fair, but also the Twins were not a really good defensive team. Uh, certainly on the infield, they they were not that was not a strength with with the club. Yes, they could hit a ton of home runs and do all that, but defensively, you know they they had some they had some warts. And I think what they tried to do this off season was to address some of the weaknesses and and I think improving the infield defense is is a part of that. And that's part of the reason. Again, you pointed Donaldson. You mentioned the offense. That's the number one strength that he possesses. But he's a much better defensive third baseman. The Miguel Sano. Now Miguel is going to be the primary first baseman, and we'll see. It's going to be a challenge though for Miguel. You know, I'm not worried about him, his athleticism moving from either side, moving to either side. But can he handle though those short hops, those 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 low throws from Polanco and even Donaldson? That uh, you know, C.J. Crone was really good at. Joe Maurer was really good at. Justin Morneau was good at, and many more. So it's going to be about Sano putting in the time and the work to just get better at that. But don't expect this to be a smooth, you know, transition overnight. 
that it wouldn't shock me if Miguel struggles at first defensively, and that's where you know a guy like Marvin Gonzalez, I think, is, is a great uh, asset to have, that if Miguel is, is having a tough go at first base and needs a couple days to just reset, then you put in Marwin at first base and you're all right. Let's talk pitching here with Corey Provis. Um, a couple of moves early, the qualifying offer accepted by the all-star Jake Odorizzi, so he fills one of those slots. They brought back Michael Pineda, who will have to sit out uh, the early part of the year. Um, they made Rich Hill a signing, and he'll have to sit out while he recovers from surgery. And then recently they uh, went and traded one of their top prospects and got Kenta Maeda of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Your uh, thoughts on that trade here that happened within the last week? Now the Twins are, you know, reportedly parting ways with Bruce Dar Gratterall, whom we got to see late last year has a plus plus arm, but also some injury, uh, you know, in the past, and that's certainly part of his his resume right now. And it's, he's only 21 years old, but you know, I, I just I got the sense uh, last year and even so far going back to Twins Fest that the Twins just never felt that Gratterall was going to be a starter. Uh, that arm, just the way how hard he throws. The mechanics is maybe not as a starter. So I, I think with Maeda, they get right now, he's the number three. I think he slots in, you know, Barrios, Odorizzi, and then uh, Maeda. And then they fill it out with Homer Bailey. And then until Rich Hill and Michael Pineda are ready, then I think you'll see competition with, with Smeltzer and Thorpe and Dobnak and and a few other guys. Let me ask you about spring training as it is fast approaching. I know Twins fans uh, flock to Fort Myers. It's a fun place. It's a beautiful ballpark. Um, it's a little bit more laid back, a chance maybe to get a few more autographs and some of those things. Um, a couple of unique things as well. You guys will uh, face the Golden Gophers in an exhibition to get things started. Um, you're going to uh, uh, the Dominican Republic for a game with the Tigers. And then, of course, you make that trip around the Grapefruit League. How, how much do you enjoy spring training? And if a fan has never been there, um, what should they look forward to doing well i think but for spring training obviously the weather is is what stands out you just get out of the, the cold and the snow and just enjoy that that southwest florida sunshine and, and there's so much to do you have baseball you have the beaches you have great food all the seafood uh that is fresh from the gulf is, is just right there so that that's that's part of the, the appeal but i also think from a fan perspective mike what makes spring training so appealing and you hit on this a moment ago is the fact that this is the time to get autographs, to get photos, to get selfies, all that stuff. The way that, that Hammond Stadium was uh, was built and then renovated, they did not change the intimacy of the, of, of the complex. That it's still it's spread out, but at times it feels small. That you can be in one spot uh, on the main field and look to your right, and there's you know the main field and, and center field and all that. But out to your left, you'll see kind of a half-mini field, Tom Kelly field, where there's some drills going on. And then if you look uh, another direction, you'll see a, a more of a, a bigger, you know, regulation-sized field where batting practice is going on. So there's a lot of moving parts. And there's just this uh, small little, you know, fence that's about uh, chain-link fence. is maybe two feet off the ground that uh, will, will kind of have a dirt and even a stone path uh, that will, will take players from field to field, and that's where fans can get. Fans can walk right up to that small fence, and as guys are walking by, you get a photo, you get an autograph, you get batting gloves, you get whatever. Uh, so that's to me, is, is really cool to see. Just the access that fans have to the players is unlike they'll, they'll have at Target Field or at any point during the regular season. That's Twins Radio Voice Corey Probus with Eminem Sports Director Mike Grimm. 
That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.